Hey, if you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to read from verse 13. Right here, as we read this portion of Scripture, we're going to be involved in an intimate conversation that Peter had with Jesus. And we're going to be a fly on the wall and, and hear about what it means to be a Christ follower. Our series is Following Jesus. So let's read Matthew chapter 16, 13 to the end of the chapter. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's the key question, isn't it? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whoa! Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, for Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock of declaration, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Friends, the church is built on the declaration and the proclamation of Jesus Christ as the anointed Messiah, the Son of the living God, God incarnate, God deity, God creator, who came and died for us and gave his life for us, was buried, rose again, descended into heaven, glorified at the right hand of God. And because of that, he sent the Holy Spirit now to minister to us, the spirit of truth, the counselor, our guide, our comforter, to reveal the very wonder and amazement of who the living word is, who is Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul said, I count everything but dung, rubbish, except for the knowledge, the excellency of knowing who Jesus is. I want to know him, Paul said. And for a follower of Jesus today, that's our quest, that's our adventure, that's our aim, is to know Jesus more and more as the Holy Spirit reveals the wonder of his work, the wonder of the salvation that was won us on the cross of Christ. All right, Chloe, what verse did I leave off on? 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Peter took him aside. Now, can you picture this? Peter, the mouth, the obnoxious one, the opinionated one, the one who speaks without thinking, took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never be happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but lose, forfeits his soul, loses his soul. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Peter, James, and John was on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured into the very wonder of who he is. His appearance glistened with light. Elijah, Moses was there, and immediately the disciples got religious and said, hey, let's build a, let's build a shrine here, man, so we can do this, we can worship. And, and from heaven, there was a voice that said, 
quiet. This is my son. Listen to him, man. Listen to him. There's a new thing coming. There's a new covenant coming. There's a new work of God coming. Those old shrines and those old images and those old icons of religion and of the past is going to be cast down and a new image is going to rise to the occasion and it's going to be the radiance of the glory of the light of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus. Amen? So we are seeing some awesome things in our day and age. Awesome things. But today there are many people all over the world that believe in churches, that believe that Jesus was a great teacher, and he was a great teacher, wasn't he? He was a moral leader, and he was a moral leader. He was a miracle worker. Yes, he was a miracle worker. But many have never truly made the claim that Peter made that Jesus Christ is the anointed Messiah, the Son of God that takes away the sins of the world. Many have thought of Christ as a great teacher. I don't know how you could do that. I mean, if some teacher said to me, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have nothing to do with me, I would say, you're a weird teacher. That's what I would say. You're a weird teacher. If you look at the hard sayings of Jesus, he meant business, didn't he? We think of Jesus as some soft, wonderful orator that spoke with clarity and wonder, and everybody was thrilled and went home and talked about how wonderful he spoke. No. When people left Jesus, they left either totally afflicted and aggravated, or they left experiencing the grace and love of Jesus. Isn't that true? You know, when you picture the Pharisees, they didn't go home and say, oh, what a great, great person Jesus is. Don't we love him? No. They said, how in the world can we kill this dude? Because he's speaking about our heart, and he's speaking about what we need to do to serve him, and he claims himself to be God. Yeah, Jesus had many hard sayings. I think it's Matthew chapter 10. That Jesus said, I have come not to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus. Hebrews tells us that the word of God is living and active. A double-edged sword to cut between the soul and the spirit. To dig down into our very hearts to show us what we truly are. So that God can take us and make us what we truly should be. Amen? Sons and daughters of God. What a great God we serve. If you, think, if you just think that God is a good teacher, you're missing out. If you just think that Jesus was a moral leader, there's been many, many moral leaders all over the world. If you just think that Jesus was a miracle worker, you're missing out on what it truly means to know the God of creation, the God that is our Redeemer, the God that loves us with an unending, never-failing love, the grace of the Lord Jesus. You're, you're missing the intimacy that you can have with Creator God. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. After having that revelation of Christ and having made this bold and confident statement of truth, Peter was Peter and got himself into a mess with Jesus, didn't he? Here's the thing. When you're praying, never tell God what he needs to do when it concerns the ways of the world and the ways of the flesh and the ways of the devil because you will get rebuked. And that's what Jesus, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Isn't it amazing that some of our thoughts, some of our words... Some of our affections are engineered and geared towards us by the strategies of hell itself. And this comment was engineered and geared with the thought of man in an earthly sense. Peter didn't know better. We don't know better. We act like Peter sometimes, amen? We get stupid thoughts in our minds. We get things in our, in our heart and affections that are based on the world, the flesh, and the devil and we try to serve God with those thoughts, we try to serve God with that mindset, we need to 
come and confess our sin and confess our mindset that it is not of God and say, God, fill me with your wonder. Fill me with your truth. Fill me with who you are. Amen? Here's the thing. If you stake the claim that Jesus Christ is the anointed one, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, your Savior and your Lord, get ready to constantly live in this paradoxical way of life of receiving the great revelation of who God is and understanding that mostly you don't measure up. <laughs> Amen? Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. In the glory and the holiness of God, Isaiah hit the floor and said, woe is me. I am undone. In other words, I am ruined because I am a sinner before a holy, holy God. A paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Peter lived this out as he would continue to follow Jesus Christ. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus at his most urgent need of fellowship, concern, and prayer, wrestling with the fact that he had to go to the cross, that he had to drink the cup of suffering. He had to drink the cup of death. Had to drink the cup of humiliation and embarrassment, pain and suffering. He had to face the fact that his father God, who never ever before turned his back on Jesus, would turn his back on Jesus, where Christ would feel the very separation of God the Father. And he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he did that for us. He was in the garden, wrestling with this fact. Jesus himself, because of his humanity, cried out, listen, God, Maybe there's a plan B that we can go through. Maybe plan B. Maybe there's another cup. Maybe there's another way. God the Father said, this is the way. And it's not like God the Father coerced Jesus. Jesus came out of his own, own accord. Amen? Came to die for us because of his love and his great concern for us. Jesus is praying and finally makes this wonderful prayer that each of us as a follower of Christ has to pray. God, not my will. Not my way, not my concerns, not my thoughts, not my affections, not what I think you should do, but your will be done in my life. And he got up and he faced the cross with determination and tenacity, amen? Even knowing that Peter would betray him. Peter would curse out a little girl because the little girl said, hey, that's the guy that used to hang out with Jesus. And Peter said, oh, yeah, blankety blank, 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 blank. Peter left Jesus. Betrayed him, denied him, turned his back on him, abandoned him in his most urgent need on the cross. This is the paradox that we live. We make declarations of the truth of God in our lives, but we don't measure up. But God doesn't leave us there. Amen? Peter betrayed him. Peter denied him. Peter abandoned him. Peter cursed out a little girl in defense of his fear and anxieties. And friends, we live like Peter. This is the thing. It's me standing in the need of prayer. It's me that has to determine my heart before God and say, God, save me, rescue me, continue your work of sanctification in me, right? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the quest of the unbeliever, trying to find something in life, whether it's a relationship, a house, a car, a boat, golf clubs, you name it trying to find satisfaction, making something up as an idol or a God that we could worship that would satisfy the, 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 the hunger and the shallowness of our heart. But guess what? 
It never, ever happens. It's the law of diminishing returns. The more we give to a false god and a false idol, the less satisfied we are, the less fulfilled we are. But we're insane. We keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. And that's called brokenness. If you'd come after Jesus, if you want to be a Christ follower today, guess what? It's going to be hard. You're going to deny yourself. What does this mean? Does it mean we think little of ourselves? No, it means we think less of ourselves. Amen? Does it mean that you have a low self-esteem and you glory in the, the muck and mire of feeling lousy about yourself? No. What denying yourself means that you're willing to deny yourself in order to gain not this self-esteem, but this God-esteem. Amen? The great wonder of who God is when he fills your heart and life with the amazement and the fact that he loves you, that he died for you, that before time began, he was thinking of you, your life, your purpose, your passion, and how you would live your life for the glory of God and the good of man. That was his thoughts. The Bible says thoughts that are as, as much as the sands of the sea, he was thinking about you. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus before time began for good works. Man. The value of what we think about and how we think about ourselves is given to us in the one that we value the most in our heart and in our life. Amen? If you value Christ as the best and biggest and brightest and most wonderful thing in your life, you'll value what he says about you, and you'll begin to walk in his say-so. Amen? Not your think-so, not your know-so, but God's say-so. And when you walk in God's say-so, Life is lived out with this adventure and reckless abandonment to the things of God. There is nothing that could happen to us that would separate us from the love of Christ. This is the wonder of salvation today, friends. It's why we get a little excited up in here. Amen? Why we raise our hands, while we sing praise, and while we sing thanksgiving. You might be here and wonder, man, these guys sing a lot. And you know what? There are people that come in late. Because they don't want to. I'm just throwing that out there. Here's the thing. Listen to this. We were created to sing praises. To praise God with the fruit of our lips. To give him thanks. Amen. We were created for that. And we'll be doing that for the rest of our eternity. You've got to get used to it down here. So show up at 5 to 10. Get your cup of coffee. And get ready to praise the Lord. Amen. That's what we should do. Get ready to praise the Lord. Give him thanks. Praise and thanksgiving is not something that happens because your day is going good or, or you feel happy. If I feel happy, what's happiness? What is happiness? It's fleeting and it's failing because it's based on circumstances. It's based on what you think makes you happy. Here's the thing that we have. We have what is called the joy of the Lord. Amen? And the joy of the Lord is steady, is strong, through sorrow, adversity, and pain. And this is the paradox. In the midst of our sorrow, we can experience the greatest wonder of the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Man, in the midst of our chaos and confusion, who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus, amen? And he comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, mounts guard over our heart and mind. It's the picture of Roman soldiers, a thousand of them, around you protecting you and guarding you. The peace of God protects you. And it's in the chaos and confusion that Christ comes. And this is the beauty of it. So we deny ourselves. We don't think little of ourselves. We think less of ourselves. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. 
All right, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read about the emptying of Jesus, what Jesus went through to succor or to gain our. Chloe is again doing what she's supposed to do and ask me for the verse. It is verse, let's go with verse 1, Chloe. I don't know if, if succor was the right word. I just threw that out there. My wife says I use a lot of words that sound like they're words. So take the thought that this is Christ's emptying. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Here it is. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this is what Jesus Christ has done, and this is what he tells the church to do today. Amen? What the enemy wants us to do is look inward. What we're missing in life, what we need, how others have stuff and we don't. Look at Sally Mae, she has all that stuff and I got nothing. You know, that's the work of the enemy. What the Lord does is he gets us out of ourselves and out of our selfishness. And he begins to focus ourselves on other people because joy is all about Jesus, others, and then you. Amen? That's joy. As you focus on, on others to see the need, to look at people with potentiality the way Christ does, not seeing them in their brokenness, but seeing them in their renewed state, the potential of what Jesus Christ can do in a life is awesome. So deny yourselves. Don't think little of yourself. Just take the concerns of others. Amen? Deny yourself. You live in this God esteem over your life. Your thoughts are not inward and downward, but they are upward and they are outward. And then it says, take up your cross, Jesus calls us to take up our cross. Now, a lot of people use uh, this phrase, that's just the cross I have to bear, you know? And we associate it with little puny, little petty stuff that we got to deal with in life, you know? Like maybe you got a friend that aggravates you, all the time, and you're like, that's the cross I have to bear. Let me tell you about the cross. The cross was a thing of mockery and scorn, of pain, sorrow, humiliation, degradation, and embarrassment. That's what the cross is. Jews didn't crucify people. They stoned them. But what Jews did is after they stoned a person, they put them up on a cross, they put them up on a piece of wood because that person was shown to be totally depraved and cursed of God and humiliated and mocked, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus was crucified. He wasn't stoned. He was placed up on the cross to take our pain, to take our suffering, so that we would not have to deal with the shame, the humiliation, the embarrassment, the condemnation, the fear of death. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, that law that tells us that we never measured up, that you'd never be good enough, that you'll always fail. Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us on a cross. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham by faith might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of what? The Spirit. Amen? Oh, thank God for this. With him, we can do all things. Without him, we can do nothing. It's the spirit of the living God that woos us, that moves in us, that pushes us, that tells us in our spirit how to minister to others. Many of you have come to me and said, you know what, the Lord just told me to do this thing for somebody else, and man, I couldn't believe it. That was the exact same thing that they needed at that time. That's the spirit of the Lord. 
giving you words of wisdom, words of knowledge, information to bless others. That's why we try to stay keen to the, to the spirit of the living God. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Cursed of God, abandoned by God, abandoned by society, was Jesus Christ, who was God, is God, who was and is and will always be God. Now, the question for us today, friends, is this. Are you a Christ follower? Because if you're a Christ follower, you're going to have to answer this question. Jesus points to you. Who do you say that I am? If it's just a teacher, is it just a moral leader? Is it just sentimentalities that you, you love him because he's a miracle worker? Every soul will come before Christ, give an account of their life before God, and they will have to say, Lord, Lord, I knew you. Bible speaks about people coming and the Lord saying, them saying to the Lord, hey, I cast out demons, I raised the dead, I gave not only 10%, but 15% of my tithe to God. I showed up every Sunday even when I didn't want to. I ministered to people when I, when I didn't want to, and Lord, I'm here to come into your heaven. And the Lord says, now, who are you again? Because I don't know you. Friends, if you haven't made a decision for Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, Today is the day of salvation. Amen? Choose this day whom you'll serve. You've got to serve somebody. It may be, be yourself. You're not worthy. It may be another person in a relationship. They're not worthy. It may be materialism. It may be money. It may be fame. It may be popularity. There is no worth in that. Jesus Christ alone is worthy of your life in complete surrender because he gave his life for you so that you might have life. Amen? I want to encourage you today. It's not a weird thing. It's a God thing. Give your heart to Christ today. Love him. Learn to walk in his ways. Learn to understand the purposes and passions that he had for your life even before time began. You'll start coming into this potentiality of life and of wonder. He'll start leading you and guiding you down the path that you were created for. Amen? If you want to be a Christ follower, deny yourself. Take up your cross. The cross is this thought, and Paul uttered these words, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me, gave himself for me. Let's pray. If this thing we do on a Sunday and through the week was just about religion, I'd be out of here. I'd be gone. I might as well eat, drink, and marry. Be merry, for tomorrow I die. Raised a pastor's kid. Seemed like I was born on the first pew. My mother spewed me forth in church. I was in church so much. And I said to God, I said, God, there's got to be more than religion. There's got to be more than trying to make people think I was a good kid. There's got to be more than that. And at nine years old, I went to the altar. And the Lord just revealed to me that, son, you're going to be the worst sinner this world has ever seen without me. And I said, God, I'm yours. From that point on, like Peter, I denied him. I betrayed him. I abandoned him. But in each of our lives, there's a day of Pentecost. Amen. When the spirit of the living God comes a hold of us, and we begin to proclaim the things of God, declare the things of God, and God uses us. The day of Pentecost, 50 days later, after Christ was crucified, it was Peter. Yep, Peter got up and preached the gospel where 3,000 souls came into the kingdom of God. Amen? You see what God can do with you.
smell what the rock is cooking. Amen? The rock who is Christ Jesus. Do you smell it? Do you sense it? In your spirit today, God wants you. He's seeking after you. He's calling you. Let's seal the deal with what the word of God has spoken to us this whole service. Choose him today, in Jesus' name.